Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how the more things change, the more they stay the same. Stay tuned. This episode of Chef's PSA is sponsored by JNR Grills and Smokers. Many of you have heard of JNR Smokers and Grills that typically last for decades. I've had the pleasure of using them for over five years at one of the top restaurants in Austin. They're beautiful. They gave me the control over technique and the smoke-infused flavors I wanted. I'm thrilled to have JNR as a sponsor. Their commitment over the past 50 years speaks for itself. They understand your passion because it fuels them too, barbecue or upscale cuisine. They always help you deliver. They build everything in Texas and ship to all 50 states and over 50 countries. JR, they'll stand with you. They've always stood with me. Go to jrmanufacturing.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, before we get into it, here's a quick update. If you only listen to this podcast and you don't follow on social, go follow on social media right now. I've started a Facebook page. I'm on X, Instagram, TikTok, now on YouTube if you're listening on Spotify, and also on Spotify if you're watching on YouTube. Go to chefspsa.com where you can get all the books that I've written, including the free ebooks, Culinary Leadership Fundamentals, Kitchen Art of War, Bad Sue, Good Chef, Line Cook Survival Manual and How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in the Kitchen, as well as a culinary journal. I think the PSA I put up today was talking about making sure you write shit down and how everyone needs a journal and keep good journals, right? I wish I had kept a lot of my journals when I was younger. Anyway, I have a very nice journal for chefs. Go get it. Show some support to the show. And of course, I have some wonderful merch, including a t-shirt that's for kitchen karate, all farm to table, a hoodie for sucker-free kitchens, water bottles for cooks and chefs, mugs. Anyway, there's a lot on there at chefspsa.com. Go check it out and find the right thing for you. It helps support the show. It goes a long way. And it allows me to continue to bring content to you weekly. The other thing is I was talking to some chefs this week, and I discovered that there's a game that a lot of chefs are playing. And apparently, I say we digress a lot, which I do. I'm well aware. And the game is, every time I say we digress, you all are taking a shot. I didn't realize that was a game, but now that I know it's a game, make sure you have your shots ready. And if I lost my train of thought earlier, what I was going to say is make sure you follow on Instagram. Every Sunday, I do a Chef's PSA Q&A Cigar Sunday. Shout out to Escobar Cigars, where I answer questions. It's a short time, so I got about 30 seconds to answer questions. But if you have questions, that's the best place to direct them towards me. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. The podcast is usually released on a Thursday. And I think the Michelin Awards are going on. I just saw that Smith in Chicago is the newest three Michelin star restaurant. Shout out to those guys. Great restaurant. I've never been, but I've often wanted to go and it's been a big inspiration for me as a chef to look at their food and, and see all the cool things that they're doing. So congratulations to the team at Smith on your three Michelin stars. Now I've done a few podcasts where I talk about how the times are changing in the industry, which sparked an interesting conversation between me and a group of chefs the other day about how things haven't changed at all. 
that the, that the more things change, the more they stay the same. And how food trends and style trends may change, but the dynamic in the kitchen hasn't changed. Because the big elephant in the room is we're still dealing with people. And even though the food has evolved, besides technology, people haven't really evolved. And we're still dealing with human nature and human emotions throughout the kitchen. It's a lot of the premise on some of the books that I've written, Kitchen Art of War and Bad Sue Good Chef. The same things that are written in that book would have applied 50 years ago, 70 years ago, today, and most likely 20 years from now and 30 years from now and so on. So today I want to talk about some of the things that are unique to the kitchen that I don't see changing anytime soon. This is the industry that we've selected. We volunteered to become chefs and cooks. Weren't forced. There's plenty of other jobs out there. This is what we chose out of passion or maybe just out of not knowing what else to do or, or we kind of fell into it. But nonetheless, this is the career path that we're on as chefs. And I think what's shocking to most people when they become cooks and chefs, the first thing that shocks people is the amount of work that goes into working in a kitchen. I was shocked when I became a chef at the long stretches without days off, how my feet were hurting, the pace in the kitchen. And when I would talk to the older veterans, that didn't change. They experienced the same thing. Long is long. A 10-hour shift is a 10-hour shift on your feet. It doesn't matter what year it is. 10 hours on your feet is still 10 hours on your feet. And what makes our industry so unique is that even though there's technology coming in and food styles are changing and we're getting kitchen equipment that is smart and more efficient, we're still not doing it sitting down. We're still doing it standing on our feet. There's a certain physicality that goes into being a chef that hasn't changed since the time of becoming a chef. The physical aspect is probably one of the hardest things to adjust for a new cook. Just the stresses on your body that this industry gives. It's like, you know, like you're a, a semi-pro athlete. There's squatting and lifting and turning and bending and it's hot. And that hasn't changed. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. And now some of you may be saying, well, the robots are eventually going to come replace us. Well, then at that point, it's not our industry anymore. It now belongs to the Terminators. The other thing that's interesting about our business is the new people coming in. It doesn't matter what year we're talking about. When someone steps into the kitchen for the first time, there's a significant learning curve of learning the kinesthetic abilities that go with being a chef. You have to learn how to use a knife. You have to learn how to cook with a saute pan and flip. You have to learn product ID to know the difference between ingredients or what ingredients are that you've never heard of. You have to learn cooking methods when someone says, I need you to braise this or I need you to saute that. And you have to learn what needs to be braised and cooked for a long period of time and what needs to be sauteed and cooked quickly. That doesn't change. It doesn't matter what year it is, if we're talking 20 years ago or 20 years from now, the new person coming into the industry is going to have a steep learning curve. Because if we're speaking about kinesthetic ability, when you're learning how to use a knife, it doesn't matter how many videos you watch, you still gotta use the knife to get good at it. Like I said, cooking is almost like an athletic sport. There's a big level of skill that's involved and you gotta learn it. There's no other way around it. You can't download it. You don't have a Neuralink in your brain yet. And so the fact that there's always new people coming into this industry, there's always going to be a little bit of frustration in the team of for the people that have to teach the new people. Because also in this industry, along with the new people, there's veterans in the kitchen. Salty veterans that have been doing it for 10, 20, 30 years that are stuck in their ways. will tell you about the good old days and how they used to do it who don't have the patience for the new cook that's coming in and doesn't know anything. 
And so you have polar opposites of skill set. Someone that is green as spring coming into the kitchen and someone who could, you know, slice onions with a blindfold on without nicking themselves and they're working side by side. That doesn't change. Then there's this chaotic rush of orders that come in and you get slammed out of nowhere. And in order to make restaurants work, the margins are usually pretty thin. I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, everyone's making all this money. It's not true. Restaurants aren't like these money printers that everyone thinks they are. They're working off very slim margins. You have to figure out like, we're going to sell food at this price. So our food cost is roughly going to be this. Our labor cost is roughly going to be that. You got rent and utilities and everything else. It's going to come out to this. And then it leaves like a small margin for profit. Assuming that you're having some profit, a lot of places make no profit. That's why they close. So this idea that people are opening restaurants and they become printing presses, it's, it's just, you know, erroneous thoughts. But we digress. I could tell you when I started cooking 27 years ago, the margins were small. And today, the margins are still small. And so you have this financial balancing act of trying to make the restaurant work. Go back. Look at restaurants that were hot 10 years ago and count how many of them are still around. Certainly there's outliers. There's exceptions to the rule of restaurants that are iconic and last forever. But for every one of those, there's 100 that didn't. The other thing that you're dealing with restaurants, specifically right now that we're talking about money, is the person with the money who's making the decisions. Maybe they're in a position of power. Maybe they're the owner. Maybe they're just your boss, but they have opinions. And it's a strange relationship when someone's giving you money because they might be wrong, but sometimes the person that's giving you money is right simply because they're paying you which is a tough pill to swallow for a lot of chefs and creative types because they're not necessarily smarter. But if you want that check to keep coming in, sometimes they are smarter. That doesn't change. I put up a chef's PSA post today stating who makes the best cake, the cake maker, not the person with all the ideas that runs the restaurant or the owner or you know, the manager or whatever the case may be. It's the chef. The chef knows most about food. It's the person that's putting all the time and effort into researching, cooking, practicing, living it, breathing it, going home, thinking about it, stressing about it, dedicating their life to it, and then being told, I have a good idea. Why don't you put this on the menu? I think, I think it would go really well. Now, do you bite your tongue and just put it on the menu? Do you push back? Do you blow up? Do you argue with them? Do you want that check to still keep coming in? Or do they have a fragile ego? I don't know, but that doesn't change. And I've seen that throughout my career. I'm sure it's going to continue to happen. And I'm sure it happened to the previous chefs of the last generation. I have that expression that I like to say, everyone has sex doesn't make you a porn star. Just because you like food and just because you eat and just because you barbecue on the weekends does not make you a chef. But everyone thinks that because they do a little bit of it. Let me tell you, if you're not a chef and you happen to be listening to this and you make a good casserole and people are like, you should open up a restaurant, don't. Don't go spend all your money because you have a good casserole. Go work in a kitchen and understand what being a chef really is. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's hard. That doesn't change. Human nature also doesn't change. In every kitchen, there's that one person that's a jerk. There's that one chef that lets power get to their head and gets the overinflated ego. There's that one person that's very kind. There's the person that steals. There's that person that always calls off. 
There's that person that disappears when it's time to clean because they don't like hard work. There's that server that pockets the tickets. There's the server that always forgets to put the order in complete and then comes in and says, can you add this to the table? I forgot. There's that one person that's just a badass cook on the line and everyone looks up to and respects. There's that one cook that ruins service every time and gets in the weeds and you always have to bail them out and they just don't get it. There's good people and there's bad people in every single kitchen. There's people that you love, but they become like family and you remain in great relationships with them for years. And there's people that as soon as they leave, you hope you never see them again. There's that one person that no call, no shows, and you know they're done after the first time because you knew their character as soon as they walked through the door. The same characters keep showing up over and over and over again, no matter which restaurant you go to. There's top performers and there's bottom performers. Sometimes I talk to chef friends that I have that work in some really amazing kitchens, some of the best kitchens in the country, and they have the same complaints. We can't get good cooks. And you think to yourself, wow, even some of the best restaurants in the world are facing some of the same problems. Then there's those people that get promoted very quickly. They just get it. You look at them. I know I've worked in my career and I've worked with some chefs that I see them. I was like, they got it. I, they're 19 years old and they got it. They're out cooking everyone on the line. I've come across a couple of those throughout my career. Bright stars, all the talent. Some of them go far. Some of them don't go very far because their talent turns into ego and they think that they don't have to work hard. Talent only gets you so far. And then they're in this permanent limbo of, I got dealt a bad hand. Let me tell you, no one's coming to save you. You're in the driver's seat. I could give you advice all day long, but you have to act on it. And you could sit there and argue and say, it's wrong or not me. I'm unlucky. Well, if you're unlucky, you could stop right there. You're already saying it. I'm not saying it. I say the opposite. I say I am lucky. And there's those types of people in the kitchen. A lot of times people get promoted and people wonder why do they get promoted? And one of the biggest things, and I gave this advice to someone personally the other day, is the person who could find one solution is more valuable than the person who could find 10 problems. And a lot of times we get it, we get sucked into this complaining trap. And kitchens are notorious breeding grounds for the complaining trap. Service team doesn't know what they're doing. The GM doesn't know what they're doing. The chef doesn't know what they're doing. The cook next to me doesn't know what they're doing. Why does this not work? There's a leak here, there's a leak there. We need more equipment. We need the tools to do our job. And it's infectious. And everyone around you starts complaining because it's fun. It's fun to complain. It's fun to bitch about things. Meanwhile, you're walking around thinking, all these things are broken and the chef doesn't even notice them. And you think that the chef doesn't notice them because the chef is not complaining about them with you. But what you may not realize is instead of complaining, the chef is busy fixing the problems that you don't even know exist. Not only fixing the problems that you're talking about, fixing the problems that you don't even know about. As a chef, if someone comes up to me and has 10 complaints and thinks that I'm not aware of them, I could tell you I am aware, but while you're busy focusing on the problem, I'm busy focusing on the solutions. And the cook that comes to me with one solution to me has more value than the cook that comes to me with 10 problems. And that cook that comes through with solutions gets promoted. They become the sous chef. They become the exact sous or whatever the case may be. And then everyone wonders, why did that person get promoted? They're not part of the complaint click. The light bulb hasn't gone off yet. I promise you, if you start focusing on solutions versus problems, all the doors open for you. You have to rewire your brain and be solutions-based. And everything starts to fall in line. Everything starts to click. And it's one of those things that that is true 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's true today, it'll be true tomorrow. The person that could bring you results is the person that you want on your team, period, especially in a kitchen. You want the person that could execute service flawlessly. 
not the person who claims that they could execute service flawlessly if they only had all these things go right in their life. It doesn't matter. It's what is. There's the mental and physical demands that go with it that we talk about, but the mental demands don't change. You're still going to have a rail full of tickets. You're still going to have to learn how to organize yourself mentally. Mise en place doesn't change. That includes mental mise en place. It's still a pressure cooker environment. It doesn't matter if we're talking 20 years ago and you had a rail full of tickets or today and you have a rail full of tickets, you're still going to feel it. It's still going to feel stressful. It's still going to feel chaotic and it's not going to change. So I think the point of this rant today is to let people know the industry is what it is. You cannot control it. Not one single chef out there is exempt from going through the difficulties of being a chef, the long hours on your feet, the physical demands, the different characters, the work ethic, the mental stress, it's all coming, but this is the life that you've chosen and you have the opportunity to get better and embrace the difficulty because there is a tipping point eventually when hard days become easy, when you don't know how to use a knife because your hands tremble and then all of a sudden you do and you're the fastest cook and you could organize all the tickets in your head and they could throw anything at you and you don't seem phased and you're calm under pressure, your hands don't shake and you get it and you find solutions and you get promoted and you love it. And this is one of the few industries that can get someone new, an outsider that doesn't fit in anywhere else. And they could come into a kitchen and find a family where they didn't have one before. And they could come in weak and shy. And then after some time in the kitchen, they could become confident and skilled and make beautiful food and impress people and feed people. And no matter how the times change, you're still eating and you're still hungry. And the second that we stop eating, well, that's a whole other story. Embrace the grind, find the solutions, be the solutions-based person. And I promise you, all the doors are gonna open for you. The industry might be changing, but a lot of things stay the same. And the cream always rises to the top. Doesn't matter what year it is, be that person. If you're listening to Chef's PSA podcast, most likely you are that person. Only, only cool BMFs listen to Chef's PSA. Anyway, y'all know what to do. Make sure you leave five stars on this podcast. It's a five-star podcast. Someone asked me on the Q&A, why, why do you always say leave five stars? It's because it's a fucking five-star podcast. That's why. There's no other podcasts out there for chefs that are bringing you this information, teaching you how to survive in the kitchen, being real, teaching you how to manage food costs, how to get promoted, how to negotiate your money, what a critical path is to opening up a restaurant and so on, plus giving you free resources to go with it. Name another podcast for chefs that does that. I'll wait. Oh, there isn't one, is there? Okay. Thank you very much. Make sure you leave five stars. Go to chefspsa.com. You get all the books, all the merch. We'll see you next week. Hit the porno music.